Hello, I'm Joseph Malazzi, creator of Dark Matter, and you are listening to Neil Before Pod. Neil Before Blog presents Neil Before Pod. Hello, and welcome to part two of our Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. I'm your host, Craig, and this is the conclusion of my discussion with Kat, Chris, and Isaac about the Avengers as well as the wider Marvel Cinematic Universe. Since our discussion went to Infinity War and beyond in more ways than one, it needed to be split into two. If you haven't heard part one yet, then please do check it out and you'll see exactly what I mean. So without further ado, we start with discussing the direct sequel to the Avengers, Avengers Age of Ultron. It does have a sequel. Well, it has plenty of sequels. It depends on what you define as a sequel. But it has a direct sequel called Age of Ultron. That's another Avengers film. What do you, how do you think it compares to the original? I think it's generally accepted it's not as good as the first one. And I would agree, although I still love it. I do agree. It's not as good as the first one. Um, mostly because, like, while it does have a lot of moments that are great, like the Avengers party, and, you know... I could watch that for two hours. Yeah, absolutely. I would watch that. I would watch, like, an entire four-hour film of that. Like, hell yes. Um, But, yeah, like, there's a lot less at stake somehow uh, because the, the villain doesn't feel very personal, um, to anyone, even though he is created by Tony Stark, it just, like, I don't, I don't know, we don't get enough time to connect with what, w- with his side of things. Um, and again, you know, they end up fighting gray, faceless multitudes in the form of robots this time, but, you know, still gray, faceless multitudes. So it's like the Chitari again, yeah. somehow, and it, it, it's not as satisfying, for sure. It's the 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 issue it has is it kind of follows some very similar beats, but without the the sort of payoff factor that I think made the first so exciting. Is oh, it's the first time seeing them all together and look at them all working out and oh, yeah, it's all brilliant. And then you go into the next the one, novelty, you go, yeah, oh, they're already they're already together. Yeah, the novelty factor's kind of not there with it. It doesn't. It doesn't plaster over some of the cracks that you see. And like you say, it becomes faceless baddies towards the end. Just an unconquerable amount of baddies that appear towards the end. And it's, you know, you know what the reason's there for. Because they don't want them chopping down tons of humans that have decided that, (laughs) you know, that's why you sort of see a little bit of them fighting Hydra and stuff. But you don't get a lot of them taking on other people. Because they don't want to do that. You can you can be as brutal and destroying robots as you like. It's a lot more difficult when you're then doing that to humans. That's so true. I think that's why they've made it sort of robot villains. And I'm yeah. guessing it's going to be along a similar line for the next one, be it faceless aliens or faceless robots or whatever yeah. that you're going to be fighting. Hmm. It's actually interesting that in the Avengers uh, films, you know, they're, they're fighting the high-budget Hydra. You know, they're, they're the guys with... Like, <laughs> jetpacks and, and energy <laughs> weapons and then you look at Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and it's just a bunch of guys with guns, you know, but they're all fighting Hydra and it's just, yeah. it's just uh, we live in this like cheaper version of the universe over here but these guys <laughs> have all, those guys have all the money, you know. We've got street level Hydra and we've got, you know, premium league Hydra yeah. uh, over at the other side there, you know, we'll leave the big ones to the Avengers yeah. and we'll just deal with this. One of my, um, one of my bugbears with Age of Ultron, and I had that bugbear the first time I watched it, is how much of it, how much of Phase Two it actually ignores. So, like, the end of Iron Man Three, he's decided I don't need to be Iron Man anymore. I'm complete. I'm fine. So he blows up all these suits, 
beginning of Age of Ultron, he's wearing a suit again. Mm. And you've established he has real-time, across-the-world remote control in Age of Ultron, but he's in a suit again. Uh, sorry, in Iron Man 3, but in Age of Ultron, he's in a suit again. Why isn't he across the world just remotely piloting safely? You know, mm. um, Cap, he's been recruited, despite the fact that uh, Winter Soldier ends with him running off to find Bucky. Um, Banner is just kind of there, although he's in Iron Man 3, to be fair, in the post-credit scene. Um, and who else? Black Widow was running off to figure out a new color uh, cover identity. Um, yeah, and it's and Thor. Oh yeah, Thor was not planning to go back to Earth at that point. Um, at, the, at the end of oh no, he did go back to Earth at the end of Thor two, didn't he? That shows how much I remember that. Mm. From. Yes, he did. Yeah. Yeah, but again, the implication was it's not to join the Avengers. So you've got this kind of missing bit of story about why are they back together. Yeah. It just starts off with them back together as if nothing happened. No, it's, I mean, the, the, there's a throwaway line about, oh, like, we have to find the scepter. We've been hunting for Loki's scepter, and we know that it's here now, so we're here. Uh, so it's implied, I guess, that they've spent some time doing this. Yeah. It, yeah, and they, at some point, Stark or whoever would have went and got them all back together. But mm. I think it works as actually a direct sequel for the first Avengers film because the end of the first Avengers film shows Stark playing with the tower. You know, he's he's building rooms for everyone to train in and things like that uh, or planning rooms for everyone to train in. And then the next time you see them, they're all together. So if you just ignore phase two, then you have two films that slot together almost almost directly. Yeah. I mean, they make references to some of the stuff that happens. But other than that, you know, it's the implication is the end of the Avengers, Stark makes the Avengers... And then by the time you get to the Age of Ultron, they're already made. But do you think that's not maybe purposeful, though, that if people are only watching the sort of unified films, for want of a better description, that that is what they're picking up on? You know, it's like, okay, well, they went to see the Avengers, so they're going to come back to see Avengers Age of Ultron, but they might not have come back to see the films in between. I mean, as yeah, someone, yeah. Isaac, who didn't enjoy the first Avengers film, would you go back to see the second Avengers film, or did it make you go back and look at more of the Phase 2 films? Uh, I didn't see any of them. So, yeah, I you went didn't back see any see, of them? Okay, yeah. No, I went back to see Doctor Strange whenever that came out in the cinema, but three. after Avengers yeah. 1, I was like, not not interested in any of them. Though I have seen... I do like Age of Ultron. I mean, that's the better one. But I, that's having, like... Yeah, I started. In, I started in phase three. Is Doctor Strange yeah. phase three? Yeah. Yes, I started in phase three backwards. So coming on that, and yeah, I prefer Age of Ultron just because it's good. And uh, yeah, but I wouldn't have gone. Oh, that Avengers was pretty disappointing, but now I'm psyched for whatever the next three are because yeah, well, that point I, was, <laughs> I was so I was, I was like so uninterested. It's like whatever. <laughs> so. But yeah, I imagine, yeah. I was saying it is good to have, like, yeah, if people watched Avengers 1 and they come to Avengers 2 wanting that thingy, but, like, it wouldn't be too hard to add in a couple of lines of dialogue, like, oh yeah, I've got me cover identity, you know, you know, we'll, we'll put Bucky on ice for a bit and come back to him later and we'll just get this problem sorted. That way you deal with both the, the people who are watching all the films in order. So they're like, okay, we don't have to worry about you know, the face, you know, the face team movies are a bit more slotted in, and then the people who just want to see the Avengers again are happy just seeing the Avengers again. So, like, it wouldn't take too much to, like, make a better fit for them all to, you know, just join in. 
Yeah, and they do address some of these phase two plot lines, such as you know when when Fal- well Sam turns up, but he's the one looking out for Bucky, and and you've got this little thing about Stark is obsessed with protecting Earth, although again it seemed like he'd been he'd nixed that obsession at the end of Iron Man three, so. It, it it does kind of pick it all up, although this was the one with heavy studio interference where Joss Whedon left and then quit Twitter and started crying a lot. And, and, you know, so, um, um, started crying a lot. Well, I don't know. I presume. I presume so. I mean, I never spoke to him, but you know, um, you know, where he's, where Disney say we need Thor in a bath to set up the future films, and um, and and if you, you don't get. If we don't get Thor in a bath, then you don't get your farmhouse. It was, I mean, the, there was all sorts that sort of stuff going on, and I think the farmhouse stuff is the best part of the film, actually, because I just quite like seeing Hawkeye's home life. It's true. It's it's a very it's a very strong it, because it's about the characters, and by that point, you know, we want to know their inner life and their struggles and stuff. So yeah, like it, it's it's definitely. One of the stronger parts of the film. Completely agree. Yeah, and I like how they make fun of Hawkeye, like his lack of. Uh, yeah, it's because he's his a dweeb. The first one, and yeah. you know, where, where uh, Black Widow says, "I'm really, you know, I'm really going to miss him." He brings the team together. <laughs> and const- oh, constantly tease us with his impending death that doesn't happen as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm glad he didn't die, and you know if. Quicksilver's death doesn't mean anything to me because you know I don't really care. But, We'd only just met him. I mean, yeah. you know, he he was nice. I liked him, but yeah, like by by the the point of the civil war, whenever we see Wanda alone, it's like, well, all right, cool, that's fine. <laughs> that's one thing I really applaud Age of Ultron for because I've always liked Scarlet Witch in the comics. I think she's a really fascinating character, and I think the way Joss Whedon introduced her in this film is pretty fascinating as well then um, it's the kind of i like the way that she's shot as if she's a character in a horror film you know where she makes those quick sort of unnatural movements t- yeah. at, the, at the beginning and and just the like the way she um casts her little spells and and things like that um i think it's a really interesting character and her reaction when um when pietro dies uh that, that's quite it's quite visceral mm. uh, and hawkeye's chat to her about she can choose between, you know, cowering in, in a bunker or being an Avenger, and she makes that choice. And she's, uh, she only gets more interesting in Civil War, I think, as well, or at least at the beginning of it, where she blames herself for all the... Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think she's very interesting. I don't know that I agree about, like, the, the kind of twitchy um, Wanda, like, in... in Age of Ultron, like, when she's, like, all creepy and stuff. Um, I don't know that at that point she has a well-formed personality. And so they resort to, like, a gimmicky way to present her, which doesn't necessarily reflect who she is. Because by the point of um, Civil War, where, where we know her, she's actually, you know, like a... She, she's a pretty soft person and, you know... I, I don't know that that twitchy, creepy version of her it reflects who she is necessarily, and and we don't really see that again. Well, she's been corrupted by um, by Hydra at that point as well, so there's kind of shedding that and shedding her weird misconceptions about what she's being made to do. 
Uh, although you don't really see that moment where she definitively decides, I've been lied to for the past few months. Mm. But there's that, there, there is at least that sense that she has to realise that she's being lied to. So you've got that, you know, her motivation is that she doesn't like Stark because she blames him for killing Magneto. I mean, it mm. has to be Magneto, doesn't it? Because <laughs> uh, I'm just imagining like Ian McKellen just getting blown up by a Stark shell in, in this universe because, you know, her, her dad still has to be Magneto, even if he's not a mutant. Yeah. Yeah, just a just a nerdy. <laughs> universe, just a little, yeah, just a little. Yeah. And, and the thing about Quicksilver is, we get a better version of Quicksilver like that same year. It's so, true. You know, it's, <laughs> like, oh, that's a shame. <laughs> Very true. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he's just whatever. He done a dodgy, dodgy Romanian accent. Oh, terrible accent! Yeah. It's true. <laughs> Her accent's a bit better, but I think she's a better actor than. Well, she's kind of lost the accent now, actually. Yeah, more or less. Because in Civil War, she just sounds, you know, American. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, American with a bit of a twang, though. Yeah, a, yeah. a tiny foreign twang. But yeah. she's not like, you know, like the Russian thing that they have going <laughs> on at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. none of that. Yeah, I've, I've always liked Scarlet Witch, and I think they do her justice. Hmm. At least, uh, at least in what we've seen so far, I don't know what they're going to keep doing with her. Um, how close to the comics will stick to in terms of her powers and stuff. Hmm. Her vaguely defined powers, which are vaguely defined in the comic, as well. <laughs> she just yeah. does whatever she can do and needs to do for that particular story. Yeah. Yeah. Ultron's a good villain, though. James Spader, what a choice. I don't know. I didn't know who he was until I saw this film. Um, I had no idea who he was. Everybody was like, oh, man, James Spader. I'm like, who? <laughs> and even after this film, I'm like, who? Like, as a villain, like, I think just because everybody loved the actor, uh, people got that had different expectations. They like the voice of Ultron and that's that's like what matters the most but like ultimately is he is he a good villain though because like what does he do exactly that's like a long lasting like that has an impact on any on anyone apart from wanda obviously because her brother's dead um you know like just like yeah sure plot wise there is repercussions because what happens in sokovia leads to civil war etc etc but I wouldn't say that Ultron as a villain has left any impact on me whatsoever as a viewer. Um, you know, he was just kind of there to be the antagonist for a minute, and that's it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that's that's maybe true. I, I quite like his kind of naive, childish way of looking at things, um, and the and the way that he interprets his programming as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, his aim is to shed his programming, and that's taken away from him when they steal the Vision's body. Um, the vision is, yeah. Even as someone that knows the character in the comics, his introduction was poor. Like, what is he? What is he doing? Why is he here? That that was not well handled at all. No, yeah. Yeah, and he can lift a hammer. Why? I mean, I like that Steve compares him to an elevator, but <laughs> you know, it's 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 bizarre. But um, anyway. Chris, what do you think of a of of Ultron as a villain? Ultron, I. <laughs> 
I kind of like him and I kind of don't at the same time. I've got mixed things with Ultron. I think it was a really smart way of bringing the character into being, making it sort of uh, Tony's boo-boo, him trying to make things better and integrating this sort of foreign AI and and the sort of repercussions. I think the problem is that he sort of goes, oh, I'm going to obliterate the world and take everyone out, but instead of using nuclear arsenals to just wipe everyone out, he goes, I'm going to I'm going to fly this massive big chunk of a city up in the air and then drop it back down again. Right. Uh, it's, uh, it's a bit... It's a bit like, yeah, I got the hold of the world's nuclear weapons. I'm going to fire them into orbit. But why not just, like, you know, it's, it's, there's bits like that that make me go, okay, well, there's smarter plans here, but okay, off you go. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, I think it's all right. It's not it's not my favourite one. I like seeing all the characters interacting, and that's what makes this a good film for me. I don't think the villain is that great. Um, it gives you an introduction for Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, you get Quicksilver all sort of wiped out by the end of this, which I think, as much as it's not as good a Quicksilver as you've had in the X-Men films, I still think it was a bit of a shame to have the character wiped out so quick uh, within this. But when you see where they've taken um, you know, Scarlet Witch from then, then I, I suppose it kind of makes sense. Yeah. Uh, it's... Yeah, it's, it's weird to kill him off, although it is the only MCU death that has so far stuck. That's true. So far. <laughs> so far. Haven't seen let's Infinity not... War yet. <laughs> yeah, let's let's just go with so far and uh Oh, and Peggy and leave Carter. She's, she's still dead. She hasn't been brought back yet. Yeah, but, you know, she dies of old age, so it's not exactly tragic. You know, it's, it's a shame, but it's not tragic. It's not as... I mean, I would like, at the end of Infinity War... If it is just Hawkeye standing with a pile of the, the remains of the rest of the Avengers and he's the only one that's left standing after everyone slagging him off for all this time, if if Hawkeye somehow makes it out of Infinity War. Turns out yeah, it turns out Thanos was vulnerable to a specific arrow in a chink in his armour and gets hit by that arrow and dies. He's got a shield and he can he can bullets bullets travel too fast. We need something that travels slightly slower than a bullet. <laughs> Does anyone know a guy? Any anyone that's where, where's Hawkeye? Did we get Hawkeye for the? Oh no, he's not here. Okay, fine. Cap, Is Cap he already the, threw his shield. It's over there. We can't get. <laughs> yeah, Cap. Yeah, Cap's shield is no longer boomerang shaped, so it doesn't work. It, you know, it's not frisbee shaped anymore, so he can't yeah. fling it in the same way. Yeah, it's, 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 it's lying over there. No one can get to it. But we do have one guy with an arrow. We do have is is little guy. Bring bring in the guy with the arrow. Yeah. Um, no, I would say that yeah, Ultron hasn't made a lasting impact on on the universe as such, and. He probably should have made more of an impact on Stark, who should have maybe been tried as a war criminal after that. After accidentally creating a murderous android that almost wipes out the entire planet. I think Ultron like is is lovely and charming for his film, but no one would really be like blown away if he came back. And I think like that's lots of well we sort of mentioned yeah, Marvel's problem with villains. I think Ultron is definitely one of the most successful ones, because I remember his name. Whereas like about there's about ten Marvel films where the villain's just man in suit. I was like, oh, it's, it's the, 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 and it's always kind of like it's just the mate. It's like it's Ant Man's friend or Iron Man's friend or or Pepper Potts's friend or something. So at least he's a bit. He has like, like yeah, he, he sort of sticks in your head a little bit after the film, but he's not like yeah. If he showed up again, 
no one would be like, oh, it's Ultron. They'll be like, oh, yeah, I remember him. He was another <laughs> one. And I'm worried that I'm worried that Thanos is going to be another that sort of because he's just again okay, he's sort of he's had a bit more of a build up, but I think we're going to get the same sort of thing. He's just another you know charming charming enough and you know lovely enough for his like the, the film that they're in. But I don't think they're going to be the you know the villain to break Marvel's villain. Like I, I don't agree because we have had personal connections. He has personal connections to several characters within the MCU now. Um, you know, he raised Gamora, and obviously that's in the trailer. Um, so I'm I'm expecting that to be significant. Uh, and he has had um, interactions with Loki. Uh, before presumably the first Avengers film. So I think that he's going to bring the whole kind of cast of characters together in a way that hasn't been done yet, obviously. Um, and hopefully it's going to work. I'm, I'm actually hoping that he will kind of join up the, the, the franchise together. So... Yeah, and I th- I think he can. My my main concern with Thanos is actually his looks. I don't like the design. I don't know what that's about. Um, it, I I just yeah I I don't think that he looks right compared to you know his comics look. I don't like it. Um, so just putting that out there. <laughs> I, like, I hope, I hope he's good. Like I hope he's I hope he's really memorable, but at the moment he just looks like a bit he's just, he's just a big dude. He's just an ex. I mean, yeah, dude. yeah, for sure, yeah. He can't like, he can't be another Ultron though. He just can't because you know this is the culmination of ten years of development. You know, he's the guy that's been teased at least twice, and uh, he just you know if if it, at the end of it it's like I really enjoyed Infinity War, but Thanos was a bit mince, wasn't he? You know. It's, <laughs> You just can't have that, you know. And the Russos have said that he has the most screen time out of anyone. Oh. Um, which makes sense, because he hasn't done anything yet. I mean, the only thing he's done is he asks Ronan to give him an Infinity Stone, and Ronan says no. It's like, oh, threatening. You know, but... <laughs> he's, uh, yeah, he couldn't even... He couldn't even take something off a forgettable villain. So, so far, nothing. There's nothing to him so far, other than... You know, uh, other than people turning around in the cinema and saying, who's that? In the post credit scene in the Avengers. And you've got people that pretend to know who he is, people that vaguely know who he is, and then people that do know who he is. You know, and I do like uh, Isaac's point that a lot of the villains turn out to be arced white men who then decide that they're going to descend into villainy instead of sort of taking their frustration out on a pillow, instead sort of turn to extreme villainy. He's like, you double-crossed me, and you never you never sold me that formula, therefore I'm going to become a villain. <laughs> you know, it's, I think, yeah, it's, 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 it's that, you know, that, point, that yeah. is the realism element. Because all, all of history through all of time is just irked, irked white men <laughs> who get, get annoyed and then don't, like, thrash out with more power than they should have. You know, you're not going to give me the pim particle, I'm going to create my own one, and then become a villain that wants to take over the world, and I'll sell it to Hydra, and I'll be evil. The villains uh, are always yeah. kind of, are, are often quite kind of the opposite of the hero, which is interesting to a point, although kind of boring in itself. Yeah. It's, you know, you, I mean, there's nothing to the, I've even forgotten the guy's name, you know, the Yellow Jackets 
civilian yeah. name. Uh, but there is a point yeah. where that the human side of that disappears and it's just a fight between two guys in a suit. Which, you know, it's fun in itself. You know, you get to see a giant Thomas the Tank Engine and, you know, there's city-level destruction playing out in a little girl's bedroom, which is hilarious in itself. But, yeah, the villain's just not strong enough to carry that as well. Darren yeah. Cross, that's his name. There we go. Darren Cross. Oh, well, there you go, off the top of your head. Well done. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, when you, it's when you narrow it down, you know, you look at... Um, <laughs> You look at the Vulture in Spider-Man Homecoming and it's a guy that's peeved that he's not got the contract anymore. The contract's well, been nicked from ones. him, you know. He's one of the better ones. He's one of the ones that does it more honestly. But, you know, at the end, it's it's the same bit. And then uh, Stark's got a whole list of people that he's managed to peeve off and he's uh, from being such a douche in his former days that he's got a whole list of people that are sitting there waiting to be a villain to next him. to him, yeah. you know, yeah. ready to kill him. So Ooh. it's brilliant. It's, I think there's... <laughs> There's elements of that where you go, oh, this is kind of a bit samey. And once it gets down to the end, you've always got the big CGI face-off towards the end, some of which work more successfully than others. But, you know, I, I don't know. Which has, like, the best villain yeah. since anything is is guilty of that. You yeah. Know, where it's just the big, the big CGI canvas at the end. And, you know, I, I enjoy these as much as the next person. You know, I love seeing war rhinos and all that stuff. But... At the, at the end of the day, there, I suppose there is a bit of a formulaic aspect to that final fight, and the Ant Man one's an interesting one because that's one of the more original end fights. Yeah, because it breaks making, it, makes it more fun because yeah, it's making fun of end fights. It's like, look at all this destruction. It's actually <laughs> just a toy box. You know, yeah, it's, 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 when it, it's when it zooms out and the yeah. scale yeah. suddenly becomes, you know, a tiny Thomas the Tank Engine falling over. Yeah, is, so is you know, is yeah. when it breaks it. I mean, your point about how Thanos looks, or Thanos, or whatever we're supposed to be calling him now. Well, I call um, him Thanos because it's a Greek word, but that's an aside. I'll yeah, come to it later. <laughs> but, you know, the, the design of him, I mean, we've seen him a few times in films and i don't know to an extent how much we're seeing some early renderings so much of it is completely finished how much of it's a uh, getting final glossing over done he so i'm going to reserve judgment Guardians, yeah. Yeah, yeah i mean I'm, I'm reserving a bit of judgment until i see the film because you imagine okay in the other films he's only doing maybe five minutes if that in the film so they won't be spending tons and tons of money on that when they've got so much other CGI to do. Whereas I think this collective screen time's about five minutes up. To yeah, well that's it. You know, it's like so at this point you're like, okay, well they're gonna have to spend a lot on them, and they'll be taking a lot of time to make sure this looks right. So I'll reserve judgment until I see it on the big screen. Yeah, yeah. Um, villain problems are, are are problems, and you know, coming back to the Sandman one, but there's. There's that thing that uh, you know that I couldn't help but notice is near. So at the start of the film, Darren can't get the shrinking tech right. So what he keeps doing is he keeps turning sheep into goo, and it's like, right, okay, the shrinking tech's not working out. Sell the bloody goo gun, you know, because I'm pretty sure people turning their enemies into easily disposable goo is actually more effective. Does anyone else remember this except me? <laughs> I haven't watched the film in some time. Ah. Well, it's, you know, so what happens is, picture this, Thanos comes through the portal, you know, uh, whoever walks up to them with a very small gun, shoots him, he turns into a puddle of goo that is then wiped up with a piece of tissue paper and put in a bin. Job done. <laughs> yeah, the sort of anti-shrinking gun. Yeah. Oh, right. uh, it, gets yeah. used, it gets used very effectively on a sheep. 
a cute little sheep. Yeah, and then Cross uses it. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yes, I remember it now. Yes, okay. Yeah, I remember it now. It's like that point you made about Big Hero 6, Isaac, you know, where Mm. the the, the microbots have just changed the nature of the world as we know it and no one picks up on it. Mm. Oh, yeah, I remember that. (laughs) Big Hero 6, which is also a Marvel film, but not part of the MCU. Oh, yeah, true. Yeah, I feel like that's a cartoon they would watch in the MCU, though. So, <laughs> you know, so it's 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 like a Tarantino's universe, where some of them are films within films, and others aren't. Mm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, villains not so memorable. Some are better than others. I think Phase Three is done better by its villains, with the exception of Doctor Strange. Yes. Um, you know, the, the Vulture's really good because you can understand where he's coming from. Ego is very good. Um, uh, Killmonger, mm-hmm. excellent. And um, that's it, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Phase 3 has been good with its three villains that were good. But it's, you know, better than Phase 2 with, you know, Malekith, the Dark Elf, who does mm-hmm. nothing. Um, or uh, Guy Pierce. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or, oh, yeah, there was that. <laughs> yeah. Winter Soldier's good, though. Well, he's an antagonist, but he's good. Yeah. You know, he's... Uh, I think it's better, like, I mean, similarly, Killmonger works because he's an antagonist. He works because he could have been the hero. Except from all the stuff that he does, yeah. I mean, yeah, like, like (laughs) he could have been the hero of the story, though, and he has a point. And it works so much better when they have a point, Um, you know, like when we can when we can also see the point of the villain. It's like, oh, well, actually, I kind of want him to win, too. But he can't because only one can come out of this this conflict, you know, unscathed. So um, I guess, uh, and and that that conflict within us as viewers, that's what makes it um, compelling to watch. I think yeah. that's what makes Killmonger interesting. I think for sure, the fact that he definitely has a point, um, yeah. especially you know, relating to nowadays what is happening in the actual real world, non Marvel. Yeah. Um, yeah, very relevant. Well, but, that was good. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Well, she has lots of points, but you know. Hella, you know what my problem is with Hella? My problem with Hella is that she is not teased about in any of the other Thor films, or, you know, the, it is never mentioned that uh, the, there was another child. Yeah. Um, it is never mentioned that. Um, and, and I'm not, you know, I'm not saying explicitly mentioned, but I would have loved to see even a teaser kind of weird hint moment of Asgard not being the goody two shoes guys that we think they are. You know, the fact that really what they are is colonialists who have bathed the universe in blood. Um, (laughs) that's like, that's such an interesting, awesome moment and i love that marvel went there and of course they could only have gone there with an indigenous person as a director you know no white person would have dared go there but he yeah. did um and and it's such a great element to add to the story but what about you know i was thinking in the first thor film the the um uh coronation scene at the very beginning uh, Odin has a little pause moment where he says, Thor, my firstborn. And I, and, and I kept coming back to it after Thor Ragnarok. I kept thinking, 
man, like, is that a moment where he goes, well, actually, Hel is my firstborn, but, you know, we don't talk about her because she's been gone for a few thousand years. So um, Thor, my firstborn. Um, (laughs) But it's not enough. And it could very well be, you know, just Anthony Hopkins delivering his line that way. Um, I choose to see it as perhaps a tiny hint, even though I really don't think that they were thinking that far ahead at the time. No, no. Yeah. And that's... that's frustrating to me. The fact that there's this whole hidden side to Asgard and at no point do we even suspect that this could be lying behind the surface until, you know, suddenly we have this big revelation, you know, Hela blows up a ceiling uh, and reveals a different mosaic, which is darker in nature. And it's like, man, like, couldn't we have had like a tiny bit of that backstory kind of weaved in like, hmm, I don't really feel very, very comfortable with Asgard or like, you know, Odin saying something weird or, you know, like, I mean, Odin generally is not very trustworthy as a person because he lies about everything. Um, (laughs) And he's a terrible parent. So I suppose, you know, we see everything from (laughs) Thor's point of view. Um, And yeah, I guess, I guess. Um, But as a viewer, I am not satisfied with that. Definitely didn't think that far ahead. Although my first thought when, what was my first thought? It was one of my early thoughts when I was watching Ragnarok and you see the, the mural or the mosaic for the first time, mm-hmm. and it's like it's a really good job the Dark Elves didn't accidentally uncover that at the last. Right, <laughs> the throne room, didn't they? You know everything. Like it's amazing, and you could have a moment where where Odin looks up at the ceiling and he's like, "Phew." <laughs> thank god for that i mean the thing is obviously they weren't thinking of it back then i mean you do get the the line from hella which i love is the you know did you not think where did all this gold come from you have you never thought where did all the gold come from or something to have the lines it, like that. Of how he got it. yeah, yeah it's like one. it's you know where did you think this came from you must have had a hint that it wasn't through good deeds and people paying Although, tribute you know i say there's a i would say there's a strong hint in the first thor film actually where you know, Jotunheim is living in poverty. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. They, I mean, Odin went in and took the casket of ancient winters and he keeps it in his vault and it's like, no, these people are right to be pissed at you. There's no... What you did to them is wrong and we don't really know why you did it because all we get is we fought the Frost Giants. Yeah, who, that's you know, true. Who that's are true. not really giant. They're not that big. But you know, mm-hmm. I, when, when I hear giants, I want 40 feet tall. I don't want like 8 feet tall. But, um, but yeah, Jotunheim's that it's just this impoverished realm that Odin leaves like that and they're just sitting around in squalor, you know, and so there is that hint that Asgard might not be as cracked up to be, although it's not really focused on as such, other than Loki wants to blow it up. Yeah, that's true. Mm. Um, I do, I do agree. Yeah, that is, that is a bit of a hint, not extremely strong, but it, it does, it does make sense, I suppose, with the, with the completed narrative about Asgard finding out their darker past. Yeah, I suppose. (laughs) Yeah, or perhaps not so accidentally. I wouldn't wouldn't think that it's a pure accident. I guess Kenneth Branagh wanted to suggest that Asgard was this this realm of opulence that didn't, Mm -hmm. you know, that that may not have, well, may have a dark reason for having all that because you don't find out about the other uh, seven realms, really. Uh, and what they're up to. You see a bit of that in the other one, and, you know, Thor's cutting about just fighting people in them for some reason. Yeah. Because uh, they're in chaos. Mm-hmm. And maybe it is because 
Maybe it is because they, they see this uh, the lack of the Bifrost as a reason for them to reclaim what's theirs. Could be. Mm. I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, the thing is, it's it's one of those bits where you go, yes, it would be nice to have some sort of thing that ties it together. However, at this point, I want to urge any caution in someone going back and deciding, we're just going to add a little bit in the background that does this, or a little bit in the voice where they say that, or a little hint of, you know, don't tweak them, leave them the hell alone. It's uh, it's simple as if that. You, if you can come up with something in retrospect that makes sense and ties it together, then that's fine. You know, if, if something in a later film makes something in an earlier film just make sense by, yeah, okay, that, that builds on that, then fine. Uh, there's there's elements of that. You know, you've I, always got the Thor is a different sort of person than Odin is, and that's his reason for not being on the throne, and that's basically yeah. his arc in, in Ragnarok, where he's like, I don't want to be a, fa- a king like my father was. Mm. Yeah, uh, I mean, I get... I mean, the thing is, I, I'm, I'm quite happy for them to drop little hints into films for the future. Yeah. And even it's back you know from some picture. stuff. Yeah. It's it's especially when this started out. Like I said at the beginning, you had no idea that it was going to run the way it did, and neither did they really. They put in little bits and pieces that were going to pay off later, but not to the extent where now they are looking a good number of years in the future, film wise. Yeah, and you know that they'll be keeping little bits back, and not only that you know potentially going out and buying a bit more or getting more deals on the estate that they don't have just now (laughs) so they'll be they'll be preparing little bits in the background and and you talk about the growth and this is kind of it's um it's absorbing everything it's you know it's descended it's extended out into the tv realm starting with agents of shield which people have mixed opinions on i've always liked it i've liked it yeah Especially later seasons where it starts becoming its own thing, and mm-hmm. you know they they stop they stop dropping Thor's name every week. Um, mm-hmm. I, I like parts of you know I like all that stuff, and uh, the Netflix stuff. I've liked one or two of them. On the whole, I think they're morbid and depressing, and quite yeah, they they definitely have a very dark uh, tone. And I think Daredevil, the first season, is outstanding. Mm-hmm. Daredevil season two, nah. Uh, Jessica Jones season one. It's all right. Outstanding. Yeah, I really liked it. Yeah. And Luke Cage, I personally didn't enjoy. No, neither did I. Couldn't get into it. Iron Fist, I was was lukewarm on. Defenders, I liked. Uh, Jessica Jones season two, I thought was trash. Mm. So uh, don't watch it if you haven't. If you haven't already watched (laughs) it, then don't bother. It's not worth watching. Every character is hateful. (laughs) Yeah, truly. Like, yeah, it's just everybody is a ball of, of... just resentment and anger and at no point does it get better it's just 13 yeah. episodes of of from bad to worse yeah. yeah and chris we've had many conversations about the um the netflix shows and, and your mm. resistance to them as well i i i really liked the first series of daredevil i thought it was absolutely brilliant and i have been continually let down ever since apart from <laughs> bits of defenders which had the same feel to me as um, the Avengers film, you know, Avengers Assemble, where you're sort of getting characters together and you're going, oh, it's nice seeing them play off each other. But that still doesn't save it from issues. I mean, a lot of the Netflix shows suffer from this middle, middle of the season sludge that just makes you sort of go, oh, come on, just get back to what you're wanting to do. They just sort of get caught up and they, it doesn't matter how many episodes they give them. There always <laughs> seems to be a chain of episodes in the middle 
where you're like, oh, this is a bit long, isn't it? Yeah. This is, they're dragging out this now. It's like they've already fought the mid-level baddie. The big bad is sitting there and they've just got away and you're like, oh, great. And then they, then they ponder for a couple of episodes and then they come back. And you can basically apply that template to all of them. And that's a bit disappointing in a way. And I still haven't I, seen Punisher. I still haven't watched Punisher because it's other people. It's not bad, actually. And, oh, yeah. I actually, I really liked it. Um, although it does follow that that pattern of you know sprawling middle. For yeah. sure. I mean, I was surprised is with. Episode, is there hmm? episodes after episode six? Because I don't know anyone else who's watched after episode six. Uh, oh gosh, I don't remember what how many I've watched now. Um, they, they I thought I finished after, it. it. It just stops. After I think six. I finished it. <laughs> once once I he once he figures it. out how once he figures out how to save his sandwich, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that is the first two episodes of The Punisher. People keep stealing his lunch. I'm not even. Hey. <laughs> uh, Isaac, what are your thoughts on uh, Netflix MCU? Uh, yeah, like the other. I think yeah, because I I got into Marvel reading Ms. Marvel and then on to Captain Marvel. I think yeah. Get if you got Kamala Khan, her like a Netflix series as the polar opposite of what Netflix are currently making. I mean, like, because yeah, they're all kind of grim and uh, so depressing and stuff, and like they're a bit of a slog. But if you had someone who was just like, just it's just a bundle of colour, and like I think really, I suppose you can yeah, really stretchy. It'd probably be it'd be safer for <laughs> the films. But like a character who's or like. Spider Woman, or someone, or She Hulk, or someone who's like can make jokes and have fun, and then they doesn't have to be. They can have like yeah, they can have you know, you know, troubles through the series and stuff. But overall, there is a feeling of positivity after them, like as opposed to just sort of like, oh, well, we made it through this week, <laughs> back to the beer, <laughs> and wait for the next series to come along. So yeah, I think yeah. But again, I suppose, like, other Marvel things are happy. And, and then Netflix is just as sad stuff. But if you just have, like, it's not very well mixed in. It's like, oh, yeah, Netflix shows are where all the sort of, like, the gritty, grainy stories are. And then you have the films which have, like, you know, like, Fort Ragnarok and stuff like that, which are far more fun and happy. But then it means that there's a whole world of just sort of dreary stuff and they're almost frightened to reference the rest of the mcu as well i mean they reference the battle of new york as the incident but like the, i mean the sokovia cards don't have any bearing on the netflix shows at all mm-hmm. for instance where they really should because we're dealing with street level vigilantism you know and uh, with superpowers involved in some cases but you shouldn't have like you should have more connections than that and they're just not there I mean, not yeah. that everything needs to be connected, but if you're going to set something in the same universe, you should at least pay lip service to it occasionally. Yeah, exactly. Uh, something that uh, I think um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, encountered first with um, whenever Civil War happened um, and and the events were not connected and the Russo brothers said, oh, yeah, we're not really paying attention to what's happening on the show, so, like, yeah, it's not connected, it's fine. Yeah. It's like, well, 
when you announce the show, and indeed the way that you've been running the show, is that it's connected to everything that's happening. Yeah, perhaps it's all connected. Yes. Like the, the tagline for season Yeah, five. I mean, <laughs> perhaps like the, um, the first kind of iteration was... Uh, the show reacting to what the films, to, to the larger events within the films, which is fair enough, you know, like that's okay. And it's kind of cute. Um, but ultimately, when they break their concept because exactly it gets rid of shield. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but I, th- I think it works really well though. I think it they does. did really well with it. Yeah. Uh, they handle the lack of, like a structure and leadership very well because that becomes the plot it's like now what do we do you know we're agents of what yeah. and that's and that's important um but whenever uh civil war happens and the uh, not civil war sorry agents of ultron um agents of ultron um <laughs> age of ultron even um whenever that happens and the russo brothers said oh we're not we're not like following that we're not really taking into account what's happening on the show and by that point they had built up this whole inhumans arc which i thought was going to be what civil war was about you know that they were going to bring the inhumans in instead of the mutants because they didn't have the rights to the x-men so i thought great okay like that's that's a way to do it um and then instead they just went oh yeah no never mind um and from that from that point on, uh, it it just left a sour taste in my mouth. You know, it's like you're saying that you have a cinematic universe of which the TV stuff is also a part, but then if you're not willing to incorporate the TV stuff, smaller as it may be, you know, it's not it's not like the movie. And you know, I'm not saying we should have to watch an entire TV series for the movie to make sense. You can reintroduce to us the elements of the show that are you know in question here that would be fine i think um it's it's disappointing that they're not actually you know holding their 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 own word you know like they're they're not connecting the dots that they said would be connected so it's like well why should i really watch the netflix stuff if none of this is going to matter yeah you know, it's 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 a catch twenty two. But it's, I mean, the TV is very much its own little sub universe now, and even the Netflix stuff we've got to separate out from Agents of Shield. You know, if the, if there was going to be a tie in to make this feel like a universe, I would expect those to match up, uh, not as much as the films do. Mm. Potentially tying in a side character or a bit character somewhere between Shield and one of the Netflix shows, mm-hmm. but we all know the problems with you know the way contracts are done, the way TV deals are done, the way rights are managed, all this sort of stuff is very very tricky. Yeah, but yeah. like you say, when Shield first came, it was all connected. It's all going to be tied in. If you want to get the lowdown on what's going on in the films, you've got to watch Shield. If you want to know what's going on in Shield, you're going to have to watch the films to tie in. And then S.H.I.E.L.D. suffered somewhat because it spent a good few episodes waiting for the films to come out. Yeah. Because it, it's like we've got this big arc that we're wanting to do and it cannot happen before Winter Soldier. Yeah. <laughs> we've got to wait and wait and wait. And even then, we've got to wait maybe another week to make sure that everyone has caught up and got up to date <laughs> and then then we, can, then we can even hint that it's happened and then we go, you know. Yeah. 
it's and that that was a struggle. And then later on, you know, I think the the token bit after four two is the one that I always laugh about, where it was like, oh, there's going to be a, an exclusive tie in Agents of Shield in four two, and it literally was them picking through rubble in London. Yeah, it was it was like a. You know, it was a shot that was there for about, oh, two minutes or something. Yeah, and picking that's why rubble. I said it was cute. Yeah, because yeah, it was like, like oh. Why, bless are in, bless why are they in London? Yeah, there's yeah. no reason for these people to be in London. This could be any <laughs> S.H.I.E.L.D. team. And it, it's really? Team. Yeah, yeah. It, like, it shouldn't, be, it shouldn't yeah. be the A.S.H.I.E.L.D. team. It should be the B team that are going in and making sure nothing mystical has dropped on the floor. Yeah. I'm still hoping that Coulson will turn up in one of the films and, you mm. know, that isn't Captain Marvel. Of course, and uh, Stark won't be surprised to see him. It's about like, yeah, I knew you were alive right away. Uh, mm. you, know, you expect me not to know that? I've got like, well, I've hacked Shield's files. Of course, I know you're alive. Do you know what? It being kept a secret, I think, would make me happier than them knowing that he's been around. Because otherwise, you then go, well, why hasn't there been any other hint up until now? But he's, but he's a public figure. Like he's top of the most wanted list at the moment. You know. I know. I know. So, it's kind of. So, it's. Like, but at the same time, you're sitting there going, well, if if they've not really done any cross between there now, then why yeah. why do it for a token bit in this? But at the same time, even if you were to do some odd shots or whatever, I think it would give a bit of fan service and tie all yeah. these things in. Some of the um, some of the forced fan service I found quite funny. It was uh, season two, I think it was. It was the Age of Ultron tie-ins they did, and it was like, where does Nick Fury get the helicarrier from? It's like I'm perfectly content with the fact that Nick Fury, if he wants a helicarrier, he can find one. You know, he knows he knows a guy. He knows a guy. it turns out the guy he knows is Colton, who's been keeping it in his basement for the whole time, and. It was an actual arc in the season that Coulson is hiding something in the basement. We don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. And then what happens is between episodes, Age of Ultron happens, and it's like, really glad you kept that thing a secret from us. That really helped us out. You know, <laughs> and, and it resolves an arc in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. without resolving it in the show, and it makes no sense. Uh, mm. There is a much better tie-in, though, with the, the information that... Um, the, the information that gets given to Stark to find the base where the Scepter is is something that Coulson's team gets a hold of and they give it to Maria Hill who gives it to Stark. So that's a nice little tie-in because it doesn't affect anything. You don't need to know either way, but it does connect it. And it's like these little subtle connections that make sense in universe that I much prefer rather than the the shoehorned, let's dig through rubble of an alien spaceship because you saw it in a film that came out last week. and yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit iffy. But the Netflix shows don't bother. You know, you have people wearing Captain America t-shirts occasionally, and that's the the bit. Yeah. You know, and <laughs> yeah, it's a bit. Well, they keep they keep mentioning the incident, yeah. um, and you know, well, there were in, there were aliens in the sky, so. Um. <laughs> so that's why I'm doing this. So okay, whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah. And it isn't just sure, that. Matt. <laughs> yeah, and there's the there's the um the perfect. The, the perfect eight-episode mini-arc, The Inhumans. I mean, how great was that, mm. eh, Chris? <laughs> oh, we loved The Inhumans. And if you if you want to hear us talking about that, Craig has diligently put a link to us uh, <laughs> and all our love for The Inhumans in the show notes. We paid to see it in IMAX. In an oh, me too, yeah. Why did we pay to see this in IMAX? You oh. know, I mean, that, that was my question going in. Whenever I, I bought my IMAX ticket, I was like, I don't know that this is going to be worth it. 
because it basically it's it's a TV pilot, and we all know how TV pilots are most of the time. Um, you know the the what, what I call pilot syndrome. You know, terrible exposition, clunky dialogue, characters that aren't well introduced. Uh, ultimately, you know, a lukewarm introduction to a new show uh, is usually what is the case. And so I went in fully expecting that, and that's what I got, but in IMAX, so like massive, massive screen. <laughs> what I thought had happened was, because they, they benched the Inhumans film that was supposed to come out in 2020 or something like that. Mm-hmm. It was like the last one on the roster for a while. Uh, and then when they benched that and they decided to do this, IMAX TV collaboration, I was like, oh, this will be interesting. So they'll spend a lot of money on the pilot and they'll give us something like a really action-packed <laughs> sort of introduction. And oh. what you get is you get two hours of... Oh, it's not even two hours. It's like 80 minutes of bugger all. Yeah, and you then, get 80 minutes of a TV pilot that suffers from all the normal issues of TV pilots, yeah. but just like on a bigger screen. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. they've edited out parts that become important for the show itself so it convince you to watch it again on television. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's the problem of we've put the two episodes together and not only that, you're now seeing the flaws on a massive screen where yep. you're used to... And when you go to the cinema, the thing is you judge stuff as cinema, whether you're watching a TV show, a trailer, a, you know, a film. It's where you go to see movies, so you judge it like a movie. I'm sitting yeah. in the same seat that I would do if I was watching Avengers, if I was watching anything else. So you end up judging it as that, and because your brain tricks you into forgetting that it's TV. So yeah. you then sit judging it as a film, and it's not a film. So it, it all... It all films, and then overall, it wasn't very good. It didn't really pay off yeah. much in the end for me either. But as a, you know, spoilers for our podcast. Yeah. But you know, cinematic <laughs> experiences go. It was no Doctor Who fiftieth anniversary. Put it that way. Yeah. Um, but there are other shows. There's uh, Runaways, which I've not watched yet. Uh, I started watching it, and I haven't gone back to it. I was enjoying it. I just haven't had the time. I do intend to go back to it. I believe that starts on UK television like this week or next Ooh. week. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. James Marsters is in it, if, if anybody likes James Marsters. Uh, I think a lot of people do. I do. Uh, it's about a bunch of kids that run away from their parents and they have superpowers. At least some of them do. So it's yeah. like, is it, is it like, the is, is it this the one that's supposed to be the X-Men? Uh, I suppose. Sort of. It's meant to be mutants, as, isn't it? Yeah, okay. I think the runaways are a collection of mutants and stuff in the comics, yeah, so... Maybe I'm wrong about that. I don't know. There'll be a link to the Wikipedia article in the show notes. Read it yourself. Uh, I don't actually know. I, don't, I haven't read a lot of it. But the first, I think it was the first episode or the first two episodes I watched, and it was all right. Okay. Uh, Cloak and Dagger, that's on in about two months' time. That looks quite interesting. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, it's young adult teen drama with superpowers. It's like a teen romance thing. They're also on the run. It's set in New Orleans, I think. Hmm. It looks all right. Uh, there's other stuff in the pipeline. There's New Warriors, which has Squirrel Girl, Squirrel Girl in it, not played by Anna Kendrick, as everyone wanted. Uh, <laughs> and some other stuff. There's there's a whole mess of TV stuff, and they're not even pretending like you have to watch this to understand the films. It's just they're just chucking the Marvel label. And that's and good. I and that's yeah. Fun. I I would I would be very resentful if I had to watch a bunch of TV episodes. You know, nobody <laughs> has the time yeah. um, to spend watching. Like what will inevitably be 
medi- mediocre television compared to, you know, the blockbuster films. Or even it's, great television, you know. It's, yeah, even if it's yeah. great television, it's still not going to be, you know, Winter Soldier or whatever, you know, it's still just going to be little old agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. running around trying to, like, <laughs> solve solve conspiracies and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I wouldn't want to have to read a lot of stuff or, like, watch a lot of TV to understand. It's why, like, I came into the MCU not having read comic books. Um, I, I used to read the X-Men. That was about it for, for Marvel stuff. Um, and Daredevil, I guess, when I was younger. Um, but, you know, I'd never read any of, of these heroes specifically. So coming into the MCU, I was like, I want these films to make sense to me coming in fresh. And they yeah. did. And they brought me in to this new thing, and I have been into it ever since, and it's been a really good time. Um, and it's not, it, it shouldn't be necessary to have all this prerequisite knowledge to enjoy a film. Um, I suppose now with all these like compilation films, like the team up films, um, you know, starting with the first Avengers movie, it's, you know, the precarious concept of you need to have seen the previous phase films to, to understand who these people are and the story so far because none of these films introduce there's no previously on the avengers um you, you don't get a recap recap and so the, the they rely on you having seen the stuff and remembering the stuff and knowing who everybody is and that can be a bit of a, a liability. It can be a bit of a problem. Um, I mean, obviously, Isaac, you know, has come into this going, well, this doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Although when you're making billions upon billions of dollars, it's a calculated risk that you can afford to take. That's you true. Know, you can pretty much assume that, you know, the... Um, That's true. You can't please everybody. Are... Yeah. You cannot please everybody. And, and adding that recap will add another, you know, 10 minutes to your film that yeah. perhaps will be bore most yeah. of the moviegoers. Yeah. Um, this is true. Uh, but that being said, the longer the MCU continues, the more risky that becomes. Yeah. You know, uh, going forward, you know, we have we have Infinity War coming up very soon. And then the next film, and then if if you know Captain Marvel, etc., is all like a part of another phase, you know, are we going to have another big team up film at the end? Like, what's yeah. what, what is the plan here? What are you going to do? Like, this is so much. There is a lot of content. <laughs> Although they've been moving away from the interconnectivity to a degree, because Doctor Strange is its own film. You don't need mm. to have seen anything to understand Doctor Strange. Uh, Black Panther, very much its own film. It takes place in a world that doesn't doesn't intersect with the MCU at all at this point. Mm. So, I mean, you get references to Civil War as in, you know, T'Challa's dad was killed a week ago. But he was just killed a week ago, that's all you need to know. He's dealing with his father's death. You don't need to know any more than that. Uh, so that that's entirely standalone. And I think they're going to move towards that a little bit. Although I think Captain Marvel will be more connected than most because you've got your Nick Furies, you've got your Coulsons, you've got other stuff. You know, S.H.I.E.L.D. will be mentioned. So I think there'll be a bit of toing and froing, and, and there will always be uh, the films that are more connected than others and, and the ones that can just be enjoyed in isolation. Because mm-hmm. it is a big enough universe for it not to necessarily need to intersect. I mean, the Guardians of the Galaxy films, they can stand on their own. 
That's uh, true, yeah. Yeah, you, you, they don't need to connect to anything because mm-hmm. they're in a different part of the galaxy, so it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. That is true. Um, obviously, they are being brought in for Infinity War, etc., so that... Yeah, we'll see we'll see how that works. Yeah. <laughs> um I am kind of partial to the idea that they're they're bringing in like kind of a younger generation to take over. Uh so you know starting with Peter Parker, um the, the awesome Tom Holland doing a great job um and then you know we have Brie Larson coming in soon with Captain Marvel. Um, and all of that, like like the the next generation of superheroes will, you know, take the story onwards and perhaps away from uh, everything that has led up to Infinity War. Perhaps, you know, the second Infinity War movie can close this chapter yeah. so that then we can continue on. Like, I would like to see the franchise evolve with the times. I think that's the only way for it to keep going. It's going to have to. Yeah. Yeah. Because they, they cannot continue. And you, um, you know, with this formula, great as it has been, will be tired at one point. Um, People already are experiencing superhero fatigue. And, you know, Disney would definitely not want this to happen, you know, because financially, like, definitely not worth the risk. Um, People say that there's superhero fatigue, but then Black Panther makes, is the third highest grossing film of all time. It's Mm. just surpassed Titanic. Yes, but that's because it's refreshing. No, it's because it's refreshing, because it's new in a way. Um, That's why it it is at the stage that it is. I think it will continue as long as they keep making good films. I think that's mm. the key here. You know, it's... Good films, good stories, good characters, and like you were saying about about Black Panther, doing something with them that we've not seen on screen before, or doing mm-hmm. a slant on it that we've not seen on screen before, or hiding yeah. the formula well. You know, because yeah, the formula well, that's is still the thing. there in Black Panther, but it's hidden. That, that's exactly it. I mean, you can do a similar thing, but if you hide it in the background, people don't notice, and they will pay to go and see it, and they will go to pay and see it several times over as well, yeah. which yeah. is the thing that that helps these films bounce up the box office again and keep running mm-hmm. for so long. Yeah. I mean, they they don't they don't sell the way Black Panther's done with people going and seeing it once. That's people doing repeat viewings. Yeah, yeah. So you've sure. got to make it worthy of repeats, and then that that's what gets your your money up. But mm-hmm. I do have a feeling that there will come a point where they can't get away with doing the same things again. And also, Mm. your issue is that a lot of the characters that people have uh, grown to love and enjoy seeing interacting together on screen are coming up to the end of their contract. Now, maybe they'll renew, maybe they won't renew. But at that point, you break people's habit. If they go, oh, I love Robert Downey Jr. and his films, I love these quips that he does and the bits and things, if he's not in them anymore, then people go, well, it might not be the same. You know, it would have been better if Robert Downey Jr. was in it or Chris Evans or yeah. Chris Hemsworth or you know, one of the many Chrissies that they've hired. You know, <laughs> Chrissies are awesome in all things. Oh, but it's, uh, <laughs> but it's, you know, it's, it's one of these things that once you sort of break the, the magic formula that they've got at the moment, and like we've said earlier on, the casting has been very on point with a lot of these characters. Once you change that, do people still love the material the same way? Can you can you plaster over the cracks in the same way as you could before with a bit of charisma from some of these people? And who do you who who are your new characters that then step into that for? 
Although what you get is in, in certain films you get different characters that jump out at people. Shuri, for instance, Black mm. Panther. Everyone loves her and she's probably tied into some kind of perpetuity clause with Marvel where she's going to have to do these films until she dies. And, uh, <laughs> so what you've got here is an engaging Tony Stark level of intelligent character who can build all their stuff and you know people enjoy seeing. So there's... Um, so I think they've done a good job of building up the kind of the background once again you know they've been not replacing it but they've been kind of oh they are manoeuvring different characters into position you are you are right with that that little characters that have popped up are are being moved into position to take over i think yeah but i'm I'm not going to judge based on i you know we don't really know what the outcome of anything is going to be until the end of infinity war or even the, the 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 as yet untitled follow-up um, which apparently the title contains spoilers, so they're not <laughs> releasing it. Yeah. You know, so it's um, you know, just think we could be sitting in like twenty years thinking, I oh, remember when we had all those superhero films. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think around, so. Yeah? It's it's like it's like the the Western times. You know, it's like yeah. you know we're sitting around now going, oh man, remember the Western. Films like in the fifties and the seventies, like ah, oh, what a time, you know. I, I think you know, yeah. In in twenty or thirty years, it'll be like ah, oh, the days of our youth and superhero movies. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So as a, as a kind of final two points, because we've rambled long enough. Um, so we've kind of touched on do we think the the MCU will ever be stopped? Largely, as long as they keep making good films, nah, it'll continue. In some form, it will continue. Whether it be less films or less high-budget films, it will be kept going, I think. Um, mm. So, we covered our introductions to it in the, the introduction, funnily enough. Um, what are your personal favourites and least favourites? I mean, everybody mm. likes to do that, you know. I'm rewriting my ranking uh, that I wrote a couple of years ago before Age of Ultron, so I've, uh, I've, I've moved things around and um, added the new films to it, so that'll be published whenever I can be bothered to finish writing it. But <laughs> just for the purposes of this, I mean, I'll start with... My favourite is still Winter Soldier. That's mm. Well, my favourite is still the first Avengers film, although I do acknowledge that I think Winter Soldier is a better film. I do think that the Avengers is much more important and it's the one that I revisit more. Uh, least favourite is Iron Man 3, because I hate the twist. <gasps> uh, hate the twist. Hate it, hate it, hate it. But no! I don't, like, <laughs> I don't like the first Thor film because it bores me to tears. And... I do not like the first Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh. oh no! Okay, so everything you've said, I'm like, what the hell, Craig? How are we friends? Deal with it. <laughs> I mean, I understand the whole Iron Man three thing. I mean, were you were you much of a reader of the comics at the time? Yeah, I thought like basically the the twist of the Mandarin being like an actor. It's the yeah. equivalent of if you had a Batman villain where the Joker was a clown that was hired by the mob yeah. to, to pretend to be this maniacal force yeah. of nature. It's that it, that is the equivalent for me. And could you imagine if that was the twist at the end of the Dark Knight? People, I I wouldn't world. mind. I personally wouldn't mind. I didn't mind the twist in Iron Man three. In fact, I counted among the films that I really enjoy in the MCU. Um, that's primary. That, that's you know partly because I am not a comic book reader i hadn't but my only experience of the mandarin was kind of you know like peripherally knowing who he was i enjoy the twist because they they took a very a very um 
dated and racist uh, caricature, and they made it not racist. And that was great. Um, I think that... It, Unless the, you're the, from Liverpool. <laughs> Croydon. I mean, I, <laughs> Croydon. Croydon, Croydon, Croydon in Croydon. London. And actually, and actually, I think that that was bang on for Croydon as a Londoner. <laughs> not, not as a Croydoner, uh, but as a Londoner, I can tell you, like, yes, actually, it's perfect. Um, I like the idea that he wasn't some kind of like old Fu Manchu type. Like, let's face it, Mandarin was written like in the sixties, I think. Yeah. Um, and and it's a very extremely like the the bits that I have seen offend me. I'm like I I, I can't believe that this stereotypical nonsense is something that passed for, like, good storytelling at one point. And I cannot believe that, like, a, a, such a massive amount of Marvel fans are like, oh, man, I didn't like the twist. So what would you want? Would you want, like, an old Chinese man going chin, chin, chin? Like, it's just, it's just uh, unacceptable. Like, the only way to do it was to turn it around on its head. I actually think the, the update that was hinted at in the trailers was quite nice. You know, the... Um, the leader of a, a terrorist cell who's, you know... That's racist in a different way. Yeah, and I but, think we have but, enough of that yeah. right now. Plus, I don't I think that we need more anti-Arab sentiment in our blockbuster movies. That's enough, I think. It's best it to... Been, it like, that's why I enjoy... Mm-hmm. tied back to the first Iron Man film as well because the Ten Rings were mentioned there. So... I mean, yes, but uh, see, so Iron, the first Iron Man is among my least favorite films in the MCU. I think it's it's racist and it's dumb um, in in its treatment of the villain. In in fact, like you know, they have him in that cave for God knows how long. He is like building a suit for himself. They are watching him the entire time, and at no point is somebody going, "Hey, he's not building a rocket." Uh, he's not building us the thing we told him to build. So, like, what's up? Until the very last minute, at which point he's like, ha ha, I have made myself a suit and goodbye. Um, and I just, from that moment on, I just couldn't, I couldn't. Um, and it's it's definitely among my least favorite films in the MCU. Um, okay. And I think it's a terrible introduction for Tony Stark because it's like, like, oh man, like among a band of like idiots, you were the smart one for like five minutes. Wow. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I've only seen Iron Man like twice. Um, and every time I'm just like, nope. Nope, can't do it. Can't do it. It's still stupid. It's, it's, it's one of my favorites. I think it's. Ah, oh, I can't stand it at all. Um, to disagree with you about the first Thor film, and to reiterate something I've said in a previous Neil Before Pod, uh, is that I love it because it's Shakespeare in space. I love it because it's about a family relationship gone wrong. I love it because it's Not about in the park. Thor. As Shakespeare in the Park, yeah, for sure. Um, in Asgard, yes. Um, I love that it's a fantasy movie for the most of it, and the, the, that it was my introduction to the MCU, and I didn't even know it was a Marvel movie. I went in to see it because it was on at the cinema, and I didn't, I didn't know what to expect. It was one of those like IMAX festivals where they bring back like some kind of old film for like a fiver. Yeah. 
And so I was like, great, what's on? I'm going to go see that. And the opening comes on, and there's the Marvel logo. And I was like, oh, it's a comic book movie? Oh, okay, whatever. And then within the first five minutes, I was sold. The, here was this fantasy world. Here was were these, like, kings with their problems and, like, the little brother who's a little bastard, you know. Just, it it, it was great. It ticked all, <laughs> if you want to. Um, <laughs> Uh, the little brother who's a little mischievous. Um, I, I don't, I have no other word. That's, that's, that's who he is. Um, and yeah, like ultimately the transformation of Thor from like a bumbling buffoon to someone with empathy who, you know, for, for about 30 seconds has accepted his fate that, you know, he lives on earth now and he's not a God and he's not going to rule ever and he's made his peace with it. And, you know, he's the guy who serves Jane Foster and Eric Selvig and Darcy eggs on toast. That's like, and that's forever. That's my favorite scene in perhaps the MCU. Uh, it's that quiet moment of Thor going, do you know what? Like, I'm never going home. My dad is dead because of me. And it's all my fault. And I deserve this, and it's okay. I can build a life here. I can help these people. For now, we're just having breakfast. And, like, I, I don't know. It's it, it speaks to me in so many different ways. Um, but that's, you know, I don't know. Because I went into it without knowing what this movie was, without knowing at all any of the Thor story in Marvel whatsoever, I just went in and I saw a fantasy movie with, like, some science at the end. And I thought it was great. I had a really good time. Um, and I, I watch it very often, actually. <laughs> um, it's one of my favorite films. Um, I agree that about the Winter Soldier being like one of the best in the MCU in total. I really enjoyed Ant-Man. I love it. I don't know if anyone else agrees. Yeah, that's good fun. <laughs> no, probably enjoy yeah. Ant-Man. Yeah, because yeah, like, I, love, I love a good heist movie. And this was a pretty fun heist movie, but like with some extra like zing to it, and it was great. And I, and I really liked Paul Rudd in it. I thought he worked really well. And Corey Stahl is a great antagonist. Yeah, like I, I just thought it worked really well. Michael Pena, he's really good in it as well. Yes, oh, I love him. I, I love him I love in him. anything he does. I love the little <laughs> sides where he's just given all this random information just to get to a very simple point. <laughs> Like, and then I went to speak to this guy, and and even the the way that that shot with his voice coming out of everyone else's mouth, so it's just it's just so bizarre. <laughs> yes, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's very neatly done. Yeah, mm. uh, yeah. Uh, I would but, say, I would say, like one of my least favorites is, uh, as I said, the Incredible Hulk, because it's the forgettable little cousin, as you said. I like, I like the Incredible Hulk. I think it's one of the stronger mm. ones. I just think it's, yeah, it, it deserves more than it gets. Mm. Uh, and they've tried to sort of recanonize it a little bit because you've got General Ross or... Oh, Secretary yeah, yeah, Ross of course. Yeah. Future Red Hulk, guaranteed. That'll happen. <laughs> uh, and, but yeah, it's... Um, they're, they're, even the films I don't like, they're not, like, bad films. You know, you've got, like, over in the DC side of things, you've got Suicide Squad, which is a bad film. In every almost every measurable sense, it's a bad film, and uh, at least with a Marvel film, you get competence. At the very least, you get competence, and then anything That's else true. tends to be kind of personal reaction. So 
you know, the, the first Thor film, it bores me, but I don't think it's a bad film. It's just that mm. I don't like it. Uh, yeah. Iron Man 3, the twist works for some people, doesn't for me. I think it's, I don't think it's a terrible film. I actually enjoy quite a bit of it, but it breaks itself in the middle for me and then it never, like, it loses me and that's it. Mm. Uh, but, and then Guardians of the Galaxy, it has a style of humour that I'm not comfortable with, I don't like. So any attempt it has to make me laugh annoys me throughout. Mm. So it's just not my style of humour. Oh, weirdly, weirdly, the second one is. I well, find see, the second one quite funny, but I don't understand why because they're broadly the same in terms. They of are, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. But don't, I think it's maybe the timing or or the delivery in the second one is a little bit more to my taste. Mm. See, I, the first Guardians is very, very high up my list. I mean, I'm I'm it's the high same up as a lot of people's list. I'm in the. I'm, I mean, I'm the same <laughs> as both of you. Where Winter Soldier comes out on top for me just because of the ramifications it had for the rest of the the MCU at that point and I think it was quite an interesting film where like you said earlier on I think it was a cat that said it where it's a, a, a film with a bit of political intrigue and everything in it and superheroes mm-hmm. and that makes it quite a fun film to watch there's good characters and stuff in it and it still has a bit of fun with what it's doing uh, down the bottom for me is kind of a competition between the Incredible Hulk and uh, for two, I mean the, the Incredible Hulk simply because it is the same uh, as Kat has said. It it's forgettable. I can't remember a lot of it. I, and part of me goes, okay, well I'll rewatch it. But is there a point? It's like yes. they recast. They took everything out. They took characters out. And yeah, okay, fine. They've gone token back, and they've went. All oh, right, we'll bring in General Ross. Let's go and let's go do a bit of token service to the that original film to prove it's still canon. But apart from that, Tim it's Roth not really is one of the best MCU villains. Fact. I I, I will go back <laughs> at some point. I will go back and I will have a look. But there's a lot more <laughs> films higher up the list that I would want yeah. to rewatch before Infinity War. And also down there for me would be Four Two. That is completely Which, disposable. You could just not it is, yes. it make, yeah. it is, completely agreed. Yeah. You know, it's there it's there probably below Hulk for me. And one mm. of these ones where okay, fine, there's bits of it that are okay, but uh, overall it was like a holding pattern movie for everything else coming along behind it. It's yeah. like I would have rather got to the film after it than watch that one, and I would completely skip over it if I was doing a rewatch of the, the MCU. Completely agreed. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think it was definitely a placeholder. You know, like they had to make another Thor film, or you know, they were like, well, I guess you know we have to fill up the lineup somehow. Let's let's have another Thor film or something. But like <laughs> ultimately, like it doesn't add anything. To the MCU in general, it doesn't really tell us anything more, uh, anything new about the characters we already know. Like, th- th- does it have an effect on what happens in Age of Ultron? Not really, you know. Apart from, I guess they have the Bifrost again. Shrug. Even that's annoying because at the end of Thor, it's like, oh, we've lost the Bifrost. This is a really big deal. We're yeah, stuck here. exactly. We're stuck for for a few months. Until we rebuild yeah. it, and then we're fine, and it'll be rebuilt, and it's fine. And Until we plug the, in the spare. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. Yeah. Uh, and even in the Avengers, it's like, so how much dark energy did the, ma- the, did the All-Father have to conjure get you here? And it's that um, it's seen as a problem that it's destroyed, but just rebuild it, it's fine. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, it is completely disposable. Um, I don't mind it. I mean, I don't dislike it. Uh, 
I think it's. Fine. I don't. I don't hate it. It's just it's very far down my list because of its lack of an impact and the it's the, the sort of villain of, and everything in it. Is yeah. it's just kind of one of those. Okay, it's there, I suppose, and it's part of this. But it's the example of the MCU being competent, isn't it? You know, this you always get competence, even though it's completely disposable and forgettable. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like Isaac. it's not. Yeah, as you said, like it's not a bad film. It's just. Yeah. Isaac, what are your favorites and least favorites? Yeah, I'm still here. Um, he hasn't said anything in a while. <laughs> yeah, because I'm not. I can't talk about like Agents of Shield or anything because I'm not seeing any of them. So I've been so going. Oh, I'll get. I'll get back to the films. <laughs> um, Toby Slatter, Toby Slattery into it in Iron Man Three is the best Trevor. Marvel villain. Trevor Slattery. Trevor Slattery, because it, it's any of the every other Marvel film or any superhero film. The villain is like, it's a baddie. Whereas like, the idea that it's just some actor that they hired is very, it's great. Like, no, no superhero film would like from that as an I something like, oh, what if the villain is just a hired stooge thing? It's super fun. So I really like that one. Um, Doctor Strange is the best one, I think. Cause it's just a, <laughs> And I read the Doctor Strange one, so I was like, finally, I know who this character is. So okay. until, Captain, until Captain Marvel comes out, Doctor Strange is my favourite. There's a lot of them where I can't remember. It's like a big blur. Especially like Winter Soldier, Civil War, the, like Ant Man. I'm like, I can't remember which film is like which. Like, I don't know the end, like the, the set pieces. So, like, Winter Soldier starts up. There's a bit where Toby Jones is in the TV, and then, the, yeah. then, there's, a, then there's, like, a helicarrier bit, and the crossfires in one of the... In that one? Is crossfire... Oh, the, the, the guy... Crossbones. Crossbones. Oh, yeah. Is he in, yeah, is he's in, both? in that one, yeah. It's in both of them. Yeah. 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 Uh, there's a lot of the Marvel films where they're sort of like, yeah, they're like, they're good, that was, that was fun. But I can't remember, like, if you divide them out, I can't remember which is which. There's some films, like, I hate the... It's like, Civil War would have been the best one, but I really hate the airport fight. Because, like, destroying a capital city airport yeah. is nonsense big. Like, it, it might, if it happened in the real world, like, every plane would be down for several months. Yeah. And it's like why? It's like oh, we're just we're just we're just in fighting in amongst a group. Like so, <laughs> so for the rest of that film, I was like, they should all be in prison. Like I don't know why this is still a film. Like, also, every, like, like there, there's that whole bit where like Wanda is t- taking out um, cars out of the car park and just like yeah. throwing them at people. And it's like that's people's property. You're just destroying a bunch of people's cars for some reason. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's one of those. That was one of those like, like total. Deem, like no longer immersed <laughs> in the film bits is like well this is just like this these they've done more damage than anyone like whoever the villain in civil war is it's <laughs> but it has spider-man a on giant man's face <laughs> it's it's i mean don't get me wrong there's some cool shots in there however at the same time like you say v- vision takes out an entire air traffic control tower just to block their path yeah. <laughs> it's like an entire tower yeah. gets taken down <laughs> a plane a problem with the with the fact that vision can sign the sokovia accords 
It's like, all oh, right, so they consider yeah. him a living it's like thing. Like he's not a person. He's recognized <laughs> as a person. When did that happen? Yeah. How, like, how many court battles did you have to go through? There was an entire episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation that was devoted to is Data a person? And like, mm-hmm. you've got this whole existential debate that they just never have, and that's yeah. that's that's where the TV is better for that kind of storytelling, mm-hmm. but. Do you think when he signed it, like if he signed it, the Sokovia Accords, do you think there had to be a a bit where he had to get Captain America to tick all the boxes with cars in them? (laughs) Just like, like capture, it's like, I'm not a robot. He's like, hey, hey, Cap, can you just fill in this, just just fill in this bit so we can all go home? (laughs) What did he put down as his first name? The. Like he's now Trevor Vision. (laughs) The Vision. The vision. <laughs> uh, yeah. no. Brian vision. Brian. I'd love to see a Brian. Wes Anderson film. One. <laughs> Isle of Dogs. Like I think Wes Anderson's The Vision film would be the best. Especially I don't know if anyone's read that. There's like a there was a Vision story really recently where he gets a family. It's, it's, it's really really good. Like it's but it goes it goes wrong immediately, and it's the most like. It's it's the most tragic and amazing thing, but, but he's sort of like yeah, he's the vision. He's like I have saved the world thirty-seven times, or I have, and his family is like we're all normal. Everything like this is what normal families do, <laughs> even though like Vision's wife kills someone in the first issue and just hides the the body in the house. <laughs> the rest of it is like we are a normal family. Everything this is what happens, and he gets more and more like terrified, like and kind of terrified, like. All the Avengers are like, something's going on. And he's like, no, no, everything, don't we all? It's all. No, we're fine. We're fine, we're good. We're just doing what everyone else does at home. Yeah. <laughs> They've been watching Desperate Housewives and used that as their model for, you know, functional yeah. families. Yeah. Yeah, I can't. I'll have to do. Did you say it'd be fun to watch someone watch the Thor films in reverse? Because I've only seen Ragnarok. So <laughs> no, have to don't get back do it. I'll have, I'll have to watch, watch them in reverse. Watch Ragnarok and watch Four One and completely forget about Four Two. It doesn't exist. The rest of us have. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'll have to watch Thor One because that's not the fun one. Or like, we've, I like we've, it. Watched, one, we've watched Four Two, so you don't have to. <laughs> yeah. So I can't. I can't say like of those two. Like if like they can't be my worst ones. I've not seen them, so I can't like. Out of of what you have seen, what's your favorite? What, so yeah, Doctor Strange is the best one. Probably Avengers is the worst one because it's the one that I remember not liking. <laughs> and then there's a lot in the middle where it's just like, "Yep, yeah, that was fun." And then, but yeah, like to but like to sort of lump them all together. I'm like, there's lots of them where I can't remember which is which. I, I see why you've chosen a villain as your your character. <laughs> yeah, because Mars Mickelson. Who doesn't want to be Mars Mickelson? Um. I don't know. Everyone else who chose characters, I suppose. On this, yeah. Um, cool. Uh, so that, that's a bit of a not quite comprehensive list of, of what we all think. Uh, lastly, promise this is the last point, listeners. If you've listened this far, then brilliant. Uh, <laughs> what, else Finally. Like, <laughs> Finally. what else would we like to see from the MCU? I mean, it's going to go on for, you know, it's going to outlive us all. So what else would we like to see from it? You know, um, Got Captain Marvel coming up where there's the scrolls. Personally, I'm looking forward to the reveal that there's been a scroll living amongst us this whole time because it's in the mm. 90s. And my theory is that it's Rhodey because he's close enough to the main cast to uh, to have you know to to be have access to certain information. 
Uh, he's kind of in the background a bit, so you might not suspect him as much. We already know he can change his face. <laughs> I was waiting for the penny to drop there. So, yeah. uh, so, so are, you, are you creating more head cannon here? Is that, is he was, that what you've done? The, the actor was replaced between Iron Man 1 and 2. Don Cheadle was not always Rhodey. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, the yeah, we all forget so, about that one yeah. guy. Yes. Yeah. Terrence Howard, who just complained mm. the entire film. Mm. Um, <laughs> And then complained after the film because he was getting wasn't getting more money than Robert Downey Jr. Apparently, well, it's not your film, so shut up. Anyway, uh, so that's that's maybe not something I'd like to see, but there's a theory that I'm putting down now so that I can say that I was right when it turns out to be right. Uh, in terms of what I'd like to see, I'd like to see more mashups that are fun. Uh, if this Fox deal ever goes through, I want to see Wolverine fight the Hulk, and I want it to be Hugh Jackman's Wolverine fighting the Hulk. I know we're not <laughs> going to get it, but. I can dream. This is speculation <laughs> corner, so it's fine. Uh, when the Fantastic Four come in, I want to see the Thing fight the Hulk. Um, I'd like to see John Hamm as Reed Richards. I want Kelsey Grammer as Doctor Doom. <laughs> I have lots of dreams for this universe, everything I'd want to see. Um, and with Infinity War, I kind of want the marketing to have lied to us. I quite like that idea, because remember in Ragnarok, when it shows scenes from the climax where he has no, where he has two eyes? Oh yeah, I feel like yeah, they've yeah. done that to us in the, in the marketing. You know, they've used CGI to cover certain things up. I think there'll be things that are covered up, and I think they'll have maybe even switched characters into different scenes that they're maybe not, or cut it in a way so it makes it look like characters are alive at particular moments when they're not, or and, in action at particular moments when they're not. And they'll have erased or added uh, stones to the gauntlet to, to throw us off. I think I think that's that's a definite. I mean, things that I want to see. I'm a bit like you. I'm 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 looking forward to Infinity War. I'm wanting to be sort of surprised, or you know, I'm wanting them to leave me guessing with certain bits. Um, with them buying other properties, I want to see them integrated. I want to see the X Men and things in, but I want it done in a nice, slow, casual way that doesn't seem like okay, we've thrown the switch and it now exists in this universe. I'd, I would like to see it done gracefully. Um, Introducing mutants is hard now. That's that's the thing. It's like going to be very, very difficult for them to try and pull this in unless they do some sort of doorway to other universes or some some wacky way that they can pull things together. I'm sure someone is currently coming up on, on canon that works. And uh, why not throw in the Fantastic Four as well? Yes. Uh, Isaac, what would you like to see? I know. I, I already know the answer to this, and I want you to say it. I'm not gonna say that one. Say, say it because say it. I, I want to. Yeah. Uh, no, I want to see more weird. Like, have a normal one, but I want to see more weird ones. So yeah, like I said, do like a, a, a Wes Anderson vision, or do a Loki film where the audience don't know what part of the thing is real. Do you want like the if the Avengers were back in time, or like, have your normal ones, you know, have your, like, you know, the, the current thingy ones. But then have, like, far more experimental ones. And also, after the success of, like, Black Panther and stuff like that, like, you can have stuff like, like, get Miss Marvel a movie. Like, have more, like, so it's not just sort of the same. Because, like, Doctor Strange and Iron Man and, um, he's the other one, Star-Lord, they're all kind of this, like, the very sort of the time that's I, you know, they're all sort of the cocky, the clever, the geniuses, or whatever. And you got people like who else? Trying to think who else you can have. 
like Riri Williams, so the new like was it Iron Heart? You can have more people who like they aren't always in superhero films. You're not just like super even with like Superman and Batman, they're still basically just you know the the characters from like the the forties and fifties that were still like they're still sort of being the main ones. But then you can have Miles Morales, or you can have um, the who the new who's the new Hulk? Is it Amadeus Cho? Amadeus Cho, like. You can still have characters that everyone loves, but you can have like a new, and you can have like a sort of new thing of doing them. And well, so I want to, uh, yeah. So yeah, We've, now, gonna, I already know that last thing you want. You have to the say. last one, the the big one that I want, the main one I want is. So right, we cut to the end of Infinity War. This is the end. This is the Infinity War that I've made. So, Dave <laughs> Thanos is defeated. And he's done with. He's like no, and then. They go, right, we've got the Infinity Gauntlet. Captain America, you're the most responsible man here. You you can take it and we'll put it in a, a thing or whatever. And he puts it on and he shouts, Hail Hydra. And the, the final Chris Evans movie <laughs> is the Hydra Cap story, which is a, if it's a, it's a really sort of controversial story where it turns out Captain America has always been a fascist and he's just waiting for his opportune moment to turn out to be the ultimate villain. <laughs> Why? But, but I, th- I think it's universally recognized that the guy who wrote that storyline is A, a terrible human being, and B, a terrible writer, and that it's a terrible storyline. So w- what do you think would be added to the narrative <laughs> with this? Because I think, generally speaking, Marvel has suffered for it. Oh, yeah, they've had to reboot the whole run. <laughs> And it was reality yeah. being messed with. Yeah, because everybody hated it because yeah. it's the worst. <laughs> I I have to say that that's a terrible idea, and I would not want this. Thanks. <laughs> I'd be happy. I love the Hydra Cap thing. I love the idea of taking such a beloved and like trustworthy character and then just spinning him around to be a villain. In theory, perhaps, but in in reality, like we live in a very dangerous time where fascism is becoming more and more accepted. And to take a beloved character who has stood for everything that's good and pure to, and, and, and say, oh, no, actually, you know, he hates uh, entire groups of people and wants to burn them in like massive. It's it's horrifying. And. <laughs> No, thank you. With big capital letters, I don't. I, no, and it, it's. I, I can't. I can't. I can't. Especially not now. Not not in the world of Trump's America. We do not need this movie. We did not need this comic book storyline, quite frankly. But it happened, um, and so I guess like the the concept of taking. The, the goody two shoes that everybody thinks they know and turning them around and saying, Oh, actually, you know, they've been, you know, having nefarious plans the whole time. Uh, it's interesting, but not with this. I don't think so. It's I think it would be damaging. Because, it's ultimately meaningless in the comics anyway, because it is just someone messing with reality. So it's not real. You know, it's not that Steve Rogers has always been this. It's ever since I mean, written, this is all. This is what he is. They so. did say at the beginning that, oh no, it's not. It's not the mind control. It's not. You know, it's none of these things. It's definitely real, and that's what got the worst reaction. Because, as I said, making Cap a fascist is it is it's it's against everything that 
that he stands for against any of the values that he, you know, represents and has represented for the last 70 years, 80 years almost now. Um, and it's important to have like a, a figure that we can look up to in these dark times where, you know, the fascism is making a comeback and I, no, no, just well, no. It ain't going to happen. So you can be fine with that. Well, I hope so. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think, I think that I, ha I have to, I have to just like say something because like proponents of the hydrocap theory and, and the, and the hydrocap story and people who like that, um, like I see where you're coming from, from a storytelling standpoint, but friend, no. <laughs> yeah, and three hours into a podcast, please don't throw that grenade in. <laughs> yeah, like, okay, so well, you he did it. <laughs> you may not want Hydrocap, but what do you want? Um, the Black Widow I don't. Movie, I don't want reboots. I do not want reboots or remakes. I don't want another X-Men origin story. I do not want another Fantastic Four origin story. I don't want any of that. If we're going to have the same movies, like, we've had these. I don't know how they can take them and make them fresh. Um, I trust that Kevin Feige will find a way um, and that he'll pick the, the right kind of filmmakers who can do it. Uh, but I, I don't want the same. Uh, you know, Lord knows, we've had three Spider-Man reboots. <laughs> Quite frankly, you know, I mean, as much as I've enjoyed, as much as I've enjoyed the first Amazing Spider-Man movie and indeed Homecoming, um, I don't, I, I, I just don't want the same things over and over again. Um, so ultimately, I don't know how they're going to um, bring these properties into the mix. It will be interesting to see how they do it. Um, I have to agree with Isaac on I would like to see the, the characters that are new in the comics. Like, you know, I'd love to see, um, yeah, like Riri and, and Miles Morales and, you know, like all, all the new kids who are like the young Avengers. I'd like to see them maybe make make an appearance. Uh, perhaps they can be the new generation of Avengers. That would be fun. Um I'd like to see the franchise evolve with the times to be to be entertaining but also relevant. Because uh, as as perhaps perhaps it's sad, but I don't I don't think it is. Uh, but films do reflect our our social attitudes, and they can shape social attitudes. Um, Black Panther has been a great example of taking a very pressing, very prominent very real issue for a lot of people um, bringing it into like an entertainment kind of world. You know, there's superheroes and, and, and people with powers and crazy technology, but it is ultimately, it has something to say about the world now. And I would love to see more of that. I think that that would be amazing. And I think that they can do it. They have so far kind of treaded, uh, safe waters uh, where it's it's not necessarily been about social issues but again as I said you know we, we live in dangerous times um, ideologically speaking there's a lot of far-right sentiment there's a lot of hate in the world it would be interesting to see the Marvel movies take a stance against it um, somehow I don't know how I don't want to tell them what to do 
I don't want, you know, I don't want to, to, I, I hate, um, you know, speculating about stories and speculating about, you know, what storylines they could do. I don't know what they'll do. I'd like to be surprised. I'd like to sit in a dark room in the cinema and be wowed. That's what I want. Fair enough. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So, so yours is a more abstract desire. Uh, you know, I've got, yeah. I have nerdy, yeah. I have th- nerdy things that I want to see. I mean, I'm not a comic book reader, as I said, you know, so I don't I don't come in with pre predispositions about what I want, you know, what I want to see. I want to enjoy whatever they make. Hopefully they'll keep making good stuff. So far they have. They haven't they haven't let me down apart from, you know, those shining couple of examples. Uh, But that's it. Cool. I think on that note, it's possibly time to end Uh, because we (laughs) I don't know how long this has went on for, but it's went on for a while. So uh, I think we got a good discussion out of it. Um, it's a big universe. It's not easy to do to condense into to one discussion. Uh, so we will, um, we will, or a team of us will pick up with Infinity War. I don't know if it'll be this team or an alternate team or multiple teams like we did with Last Jedi. Who knows? Uh, we'll see. Stay tuned. But. Uh, so I want to thank my avenging team for joining. So thank you, Caecilius. Yep. He remembers who he is. That's great. Thank you, God of Hammers or Thor. Another. <laughs> uh, another. And thank you, Master of the Technical IT Nerdy Arts, Chris. Thank you. Thank you. And. And, uh, and he is casting a spell that suggests that he wants to go to his bed. So Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for joining in this extended discussion uh, with three super fans and Isaac. Yay. <laughs> I'm apathetic. That's a great band name. <laughs> <laughs> three super fans and Isaac, yeah. So um, thank you very much. So that was our epic discussion of the first Avengers film as well as the wider Marvel Cinematic Universe spread across two parts. My deepest gratitude if you stuck with it for both parts, and a big thank you to YouTuber Dagma for the supplied music. If you like what you heard here, then please do click the subscribe button on iTunes, YouTube, or any major podcasting app, and always make yours kneel before pod. Face front, true believers.